You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, their ZDX is the most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Hello, I'm Robbie Musto and welcome to this special edition episode of the Two Robbies podcast. Every great Premier League footballer started their journey somewhere. For players like Phil Foden and Marcus Rashford, their start came in the Premier League's own youth programme. NBC Sports Engine's podcast, For the Love of Sport, covers the people and processes that help kids learn and grow through sports and athletics. On this episode of For the Love of Sport, Marie Fitzgerald and Simon McKenzie are joined by Premier League Director of Football, Neil Sanders, to hear his thoughts on developing homegrown talent in England and his experiences in youth sports and what it means to create life-changing experiences for every player. Hop on over to the Love of the Sport podcast to catch more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. In the meantime, here is that episode with Neil Saunders now. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the For the Love of Sport podcast, brought to you by Sports Engine, your home for youth sports. My name is Simon. And I am Marie. And we're recording on a Saturday morning, which is kind of exciting, a little different. The reason we're doing that is we are fresh off of travel back from Philadelphia, where we were at Mm -hmm. the United Soccer Coaches Convention. And it was awesome. It was a good time. Super fun. Yeah, yeah. really, really fun to be a part of just the the convention in general. See so many different soccer sweatsuits was pretty cool. I almost I kind of want our own now, like I know. With the, for the love of sport badge on it. Yeah. But like everybody was just geared up to the teeth. But it was really cool to to see the shared love of the sport of soccer and how invested and how passionate everyone was about it. I mean, we really had some amazing people that we talked to and and got to sit down with. What was your takeaway from the convention? My one takeaway is we're right now at a really unique time, just coming off the world cup, all the excitement with that world cup. It was an amazing one, obviously the final, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people are already, you know, here in the U S we get to host the next one or help host the next Mm -hmm. one. Us and you know, obviously Canada and Mexico, but Everyone is just kind of like eyes forward. What can we do as part of the youth soccer world to mm-hmm. help get us to a point of when the, when the World Cup is here, we're making the most of it in terms of growing the game, you know, providing good experience for everyone who comes to visit. We talked to a lot of people and they're like, we're just excited and we want to do whatever we can to get to that point because mm-hmm. soccer is going to be as big as it will ever be, you know, in the next five years, let's say, because of it. I actually have chills right now because I yeah. just, I get juiced up. <laughs> I think it is important to call out, especially since it's going to be the focus for the next few years is the World Cup coming and how big of a deal that is. Four years from now, it's everyone's going to be just on the edge of their seat hosting mm-hmm. so many different countries. This is everything. You know, what yeah. I mean? this, the sport of soccer over there is, is absolutely everything. So mm-hmm. we should let our listeners know we're going to have a lot of really cool episodes that we're going to throw out there, a lot of bonus episodes. And in the coming weeks, you'll see those sort of live from USCC. So you have some context around those. And then before we get into our guest, I do want to tease this as well for the outro. I have a new game, Marie. 
another new game. I have. Well, this is this is what I geek out about. I know. You know what I mean? This I guy love has games like in general. Eight new podcast segment games every week. <laughs> we weed through them, so you're getting the best of the best here. <laughs> <laughs> the, this the one's quote, a good one. I'm excited the, for this one. The quote was a fun one. This one here is uh, it is sports term, racehorse, or both. And I will leave it at that. And we'll just hop right into our guest. My uh, hands are getting sweaty. I'm not going to get this. <laughs> I, this is the job's easy for me. I just get to, I get to read it off, and you're the contestant, really. Yeah. And our listeners, our listeners yeah, are also the contestant. For sure, but for sure. <laughs> it'll be it'll be pretty fun. So let's let's hop into our guest. Very very exciting. All right, welcome everyone. We have a very special guest with us here today, uh, Neil Saunders. He is the director of football at the Premier League, where he is responsible for the league's work in the development of elite players, coaches, and match officials. Neil is responsible for the delivery of the Premier League's Elite Player Performance Plan, a long-term plan aimed at developing more and better homegrown players for the English professional game. Launched in 2012, the EPPP has yielded much success with English football, now producing more of the world's best players than any other country. A former professional footballer himself, Neil has also gained full international futsal honors, having represented the England men's football national team. We are going to have to ask a question about that. So Neil, with that, welcome to the show. Welcome to For Love of Sport. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. The E triple P is that? The E triple P. Okay, okay. We don't have to do. I think there's one too many P's in the title. I know, but it's easy with hindsight. Yes, E triple P. E triple P. Perfect. Thank you so much again for for joining us. We're we are tremendously excited to connect with you here. And you know, before we dive into the E triple P, just because you know we're a youth sport podcast about the youth sport experience, can we dive into yours? Just your youth experience. Like, what was that like? What did you play growing up? I mean. Does, was it soccer like right out the gate, like three years old, you're just kicking against the wall or was it just a, a bevy of sports? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, football or soccer straight from birth, really. My other <laughs> brother that's seven years older than me. So I think he was dragging me. <laughs> when can, when can this uh, younger brother start kicking around a ball with me? And I yeah, spent a lot of time uh, in goal, uh, saving some of his shots. But obviously, uh, yeah, that yeah. was my first introduction to the game. And, and actually, I, I, at a very young age, went to a soccer school during the summer sort of holidays and uh, it was a residential camp. So we stayed over for a few nights. I think I was seven or eight. Yeah. And I actually won the player of the tournament at boys age sort of six to 16. And, and the, the prize for that was to go and spend a day with the West Ham men's first team Whoa. and train with them. And actually off the back of that, I got asked to go and uh, train with the, the West Ham Academy and oh, cool. the, the, the rest, oh, the rest is history yeah. uh, in terms of you know my, my journey into football and, uh, I've been sort of following that that passion ever since. Let's hop into the E Triple P. Let's go right from the gate. Let's talk about why did it start, the purpose, the you know the inception of it, its impact so far. Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate to be part of the Premier League for the last twelve years. So you know, entered the came into the organisation at a time when it was very much in its inception and uh, prior to the launch of it. So it's been great to see the the sort of the work that went into creating and implementing the plan to 10 years on where we're, we're celebrating, you know, a, a whole host of young, exciting talent that are not just surviving in the Premier League, but are thriving in some of our, yeah. our stand-up performance and um, not just in the Premier League, but have gone on to, you know, perform really well in the, in the national team. And that's been a source of pride for all of us in, in work and youth development. And, um, you know, I guess the challenge is always in, in elite sport and, uh, working, working specifically in football and the, the success of the Premier League and our club's ability to, to attract, you know, the best players from around the world is how do we continue to make sure that happens? And, and we see those, those homegrown players coming through. And it's really 
you know, it's a miracle in some regards because we're a global sport. We've had players you know, come from all over the world, mm. some of the world's best players. And for a young player to to come through his local community from eight, nine years of age, you know, Phil Foden at Manchester City or Marcus Rashford at, at Manchester United, mm. and to be able to go through all of the, the steps of that journey and then not just step on the pitch for that team, but become one of their yeah. standout players. You know, that that's a miracle really, but yeah. actually it's not because, you know, it's not by accident at the work <laughs> that, that goes into supporting those, first of all, young people to, to develop those into young men, but then the, all of the, the resource time effort that goes into supporting their football development as well, you know, is the result of why we are today. Yeah. So, Obviously, like now that the system's in place and you're kind of seeing the fruits of the labor and the, the Phil Foden's and the Marcus Rashford's are like, those are big names, like you mentioned. Yeah. And so when we think about how it is today and reflect back to like, what did, you know, the EPPP really like change or what kind of used to be the way that you would just kind of leave everyone up to their own devices? Hopefully you're doing a good job and we're creating really awesome players and people who are kind of come up through the system, but what's been like the main change or impact that you've seen? Yeah, I think it's, it's important to say that, you know, clubs have worked in youth development. We've always had some, some great uh, players come through the English system, but I guess the, the, the success that the Premier League had over that first sort of 15, 20 year period where the, the ability for our clubs to attract talent from around the world that, that just was increasing day by day. And we saw, you know, some of the really best players coming into the league and the levels just go up and up and up. And and I guess we looked at the work that was going on in our academy system at the time and said, if we're going to produce players that uh, go and play in the Premier League, they're going to need to be some of the best players in the world. And and if our system is going to be equipped to do that, we're going to need to have one of the best academy systems in the world. And at that time, the, the narrative was probably that our players weren't quite as technically as uh, as advanced as maybe players that were coming over at the time from Spain or France or Germany or Italy. Um, and that sets a challenge. You know, if we're, if we're going to keep up with them and, and overtake them, then yeah. we need to look at what we're doing and, and, and perhaps make a, make a change. And the, the, the benefit and then the, um, the value of working with, within the Premier League and the success that it had, um, a global success and the revenues that brought that meant we were able to really make a step change in the investment in our, in our academy system. We implemented a, a 4% levy on all transfers that was ring fenced for youth development. So when a player comes in for multi-million pounds, actually that 4% of that money is going directly into supporting the development of, of young great, homegrown yeah. players. And with the transfers that have, you know, have oh. gone up and up, that, that's meant more and more. The popping price tags that are attached to some of these players. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been able to, to be reinvested. So things like allowing our young players to spend more time in clubs accessing quality coaching was a key priority at the start but to do that you needed to have full-time professional coaches and that investment was able to help that and then what do those coaches look like well they probably need to be educated differently if they're working with a nine-year-old Phil Foden than if they're working with a 16, 17, 18-year-old Phil Foden right so our coach education programs working with the football association and then the development programs we put in place to support those coaches once they were in post um to make, make them age specialists was, was a big focus. So those were a couple of the things that I guess uh, we focused on at the start was the access to, to clubs and the quality of the quality of the coaching. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's, I love that you called out, we've talked to a few other people about how important it is that at varying ages, like 
there are different things that in, in, and in each sport. So in just in soccer itself, like there are different things that we need to focus on. And we really do need to train these coaches to be special, to, like specialists in that age uh, to make sure that they can continue to develop. And that's, it's really cool that you can hear that from you know, like the top league that, you know, there is so much focus on that and time and energy and money. And you're not just saying we need to do it. We're actually doing it. And we're investing in that is, is awesome. Absolutely. You know, it's, you brought up a really good point of, that you know you're seeing the fruits of your labors, right? We're seeing some amazing people come through. I guess I, my question is, it's not just you know it's it's obviously on the players to come out of the academies and have that success, but it's also a combination of so many people and so many touch points that are like helping that success. I guess from an organizational level, uh, how do you like keep everybody aligned on like that same mission? How do you keep everybody on the same like with that same focus, that same intent? Like what we're doing right now is building our nation's success in soccer. Sorry, football. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get that eventually. <laughs> well, I think that was a big part of the, the trophy at the, the start was creating a, a shared vision for the game and yeah. how we were going to work in youth development with the caveat that every club has their own individual identity and unique circumstances. So they, they're going to have their own spin on it. But as a, as a game, there was a, you know, a vision and a plan in place to support all clubs and I guess a, put a level of minimum standards in place that hopefully helped uh, improve every club in that in that system and you, you talk about the staff there I think we've we've got around 4,000 oh, wow. staff across you know coaches sports science player care education that are all playing their playing their part we treble the number of full-time coaches that were working in the academy system pre each will be to, to now and um, you know I think you can only move at the at the pace of the quality of the people and i think we've now got you know people that work working in the academy system pre triple and they've built 20 30 years of experience but there are also newer members of staff that perhaps wouldn't have had that opportunity that are now a, a 10 years in and they've built up a level of expertise and knowledge around a particular age group or a particular um group of people to be able to to continue to take the take the game forward so yeah the, the quality of people is, is really important. And that alignment, again, yeah. part of our, we've been 10 years on, we've taken the opportunity to review the P and create, you know, update that plan, reinforce some of the messages, be more explicit around some of the things that we think are going to, you know, going to be really important for our success going forward. And, and that's a part of the work. Um, we, we also have a, a development program for every academy director in the mm. country. And it's, it's, um, it's an individualized program, you know, specific to where they are in their particular stage of their development. But we talk about the ripple effect and every yeah. academy director, and there's 90 or so in, in England. And, and then across those, working with those 4,000 staff, if we can help them develop, you know, by one, two, five percent, the ripple effect of that is, um, you know, can be exponential. So our, our investment in, in people, coaches and the wider workforce is, Again, is is something that we're really focusing on now, but you know, uh, ever increasingly going forward as well. That's wonderful. I mean, sh- giving that investment and and making sure that that's really known to these these coaches, the staff members, like, and that mentality of continued improvement. That your program itself, we're going to continually look at it and iterate and improve, consistent improvement across the board. That just compounds on top of itself, like you said, and it's that's well, obviously we're we're seeing it. We're seeing the the start of that success too. I guess. As we talk about that, is there a, a particular success rate of academy players that are progressing to becoming full-time professionals? Yeah, so it's a really good question. And I guess that is the uh, perennial sort of challenge of any youth, yeah. in, in a youth <laughs> athlete environment is how do you make that transition from 
from sort of youth into into senior athlete we have a you know there's a whole range depending on which category academy that player enters the system sure um what I can say is we've doubled the number of under 21 homegrown players, English players playing in the Premier League compared to 10 years ago. And that's against the backdrop of the Premier League being, you know, continuing to increase in its quality and more of the best players now playing in, playing in the league. I think we had something like 134 mm-hmm. players from Premier League clubs represented in the, in the Premier League. So that the, the, um, those under 21 English players getting more game time in the Premier League is, is a real sign of you know, positive trajectory more than their counterparts in Germany now or Spain. So something to be proud of. But the, we, what we do know is that there is only ever going to be a relatively small percentage of, of young boys in our, in our case in the boys system that will go on to be a Premier League player or professional player. And part of the new strategy is, you know, um, being more explicit. You know, it's always been a part of of the E2P around this, the idea of a holistic development and, and developing the young person before the, yeah. the player. But going forward, we're talking about, you know, a life enriching experience. So, you know, we're out here with Manchester United and Southampton. And actually, if a young player has been in one of those academies from nine through to 16, regardless of when they, they exit the academy system, they should be better off in the broadest possible sense for that experience. You know, whether it be in their, um, academic grades and, and, the educational support that's available through the clubs or whether that's through the the friendships they've made, the resilience they've built, the confidence, the communication skills. And we're really, you know, putting a, a big emphasis on that and celebrating that so that players, uh, parents and, and young people know that is the expectation and, and the yeah. commitment we're making. We can't, we can't um, promise that they're going to be a professional player because nobody can make that promise. Right. But we can promise and commit that they're going to have a really positive experience and, and they're going to be better off for, for that experience, uh, whatever they do in their, in their next steps. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Absolutely. It's got to be incredibly foundational and, and something that really propels them to, to great things, whatever they end up doing. Now, let's say for a 35-year-old ex-goalkeeper, <laughs> what would their success rate be if they were to just Zero. get involved in that program? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take this one. Zero. Okay, fine. Sorry, fine, 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 fine. Set my expectations. Though. It's cool. Um, bringing it back, though, to obviously uh, part of youth sports, they have so many other things going on, right? Even I'm sure at the most elite level, you talked about academics, you talked about setting expectations with parents. What does that kind of look like when a, a new player comes into the program? How do you guys like manage those expectations? And I'm sure a lot of parents are like, oh, this is going to be it, right? This is going to be the time. And that 
that's not the case, but they're going to leave the program better than when they came in. So how do you kind of manage those expectations? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, absolutely. The parents, understandably, you know, coming into some of the great facilities and environments yeah. that our clubs are able to offer there, that is a piece of work that clubs do. So we, we have, you know, regulation and rules around the induction processes that need to take place and uh, the information that, that should be provided to parents so that they're, you know, it's really transparent around what they will receive and what they can expect for their son, but also, you know, being realistic and pragmatic around what it can't promise and, um, that parent education, the, the work uh, to, to support parents so that, you know, the club and the parent could be aligned in those positive messages with the young player, but also uh, putting that importance on the development of them, them as a young person, the importance of schooling, education, their personal development. Right. Um, that, that's an ongoing piece of work and something that we're, again, as part of the, the next iteration of the plan is how do we, how do we build on the current work to make sure though that expectation level is, is appropriate without killing anybody's dreams because it's, you know, it's absolutely right that a young person coming, a young boy can aspire to be that because that is possible. Yeah. But also, you know, there's the reality of that and um, the, the likelihood of that happening and, and also that then them not being defined by that success. I think that's what we know about working with, with young um, athletes is that they can, they can quite quickly develop, develop a strong athletic identity and, you know, if if they are no longer a football player, well, what is their identity then? Right. And, and we're working with you know clubs and they're experts in clubs that we um, that through rules and through funding we we make sure that are in place to really support the development of that young person and build out their identity so that you know their value isn't just yeah. in in their ability to play football. That's amazing to hear. Like we've we've had that discussion a couple of yeah. times with sports psychologists, where you know that's something that, you know in America too they that you know parents worry about they don't want their that identity just to be wrapped up in being an athlete i think that could be a misconception too of people who would go through an academy training or something like that yeah. that they're going to like you know the mentality is always going to be all oh, you're going to be a professional but that's actually amazing to hear that there's resources in place and in the teaching of like you are more than this you're more than than the sport you play play at the highest tier obviously but you know that enforcement is is really encouraging for sure i think we're we're in a really privileged position that um we're 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 working with young people and, and, you know, that responsibility to ensure they're yeah. having a positive environment. Um, you know, on a personal level, I've, I've been through an academy system as a, as a young player and um, didn't quite make it to the Premier League and went to university and, and went through that sort of journey of, okay, what, what's your new identity and, and understanding um, the importance of that wider identity for an athlete, but also the opportunity that exists. We still work with um, boys from really underprivileged areas. We're, 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 we're working with boys from all parts of society, but, but also from, from the really most challenging parts of society where perhaps further or higher education wouldn't have been on their pathway. And through the expertise that exists in our club, through the opportunities, we're able to support their development. So actually, you know, if that wasn't on their pathway before they joined a, a professional yeah. club, that could be a pathway for them post. And, uh, you know, something that I'm really passionate about making sure that we, you know, they're better off for that experience. And we've got so many committed, um, and competent staff and sort of skilled staff to, to be delivering that in clubs as well. That gives you, you know, great hope for, for what our system can, can look like in the future and the role that it can play, not just developing top Premier League players, but also you know, Premier League coaches or uh, staff that help to develop the next generation of players, or they just go on and be a positive sort of person and member of society. Yeah. And I mean, that's when you really get 
the best of your, you know, country or your club is when you're stretching across your entire, wherever they are, wherever they might be, yeah. you can reach them. It's the beauty of, of youth sports. You get to reach them where they're at and make an impact and hopefully help them on their journey, whatever that may be. So uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, just to jump on that, we, we yeah, often please. talk about, you know, the, the people that will be the best judge of our system will be those that don't go and play in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, those, those, those small number of players that go and have the success in the Premier League, they're probably going to look back positively in that success story. The, the rest of those players, if, if in five, 10, 15 years time post being in the academy, they're looking back and saying, what an amazing experience. And some of the things I'm now doing were, you know, in part as a result of, of the experiences or the skills I developed, you know, and if we can, if we can have our alumni looking back positively and, you know, across the board, then, you know, that'll be a, that'll be a, a measure of our success. Yeah, it's such a, a cliche to say, but like soccer and, and sport in general is such a microcosm of of life. And so if you can have an impact there, it's the things like I'm sure all of us, we look fondly back on our experience in sport and it's made us who we are and why we're, you know, doing what we're doing and successful in what we're doing is in large part to the things we learned and the experiences we had. So here in the States, you know, we've we've had the inception and the growth of the National Women's Soccer League mm-hmm. uh, and, and female sports are certainly gaining so much more traction. What's thrilling for us, you know, as soccer fans uh, is seeing the, the women's premier league and seeing these teams, you know, have such success and switching to the focus on girls and the girls Academy. Can you speak a little bit uh, just to that and maybe even looking forward to the P and what that looks like? Yeah, I think the, the boys and girls pathways, I guess are at diff- different stages of their development. There's been yeah. um, systems in place before the P to support the, the, the development of, of boys through our system and, you know, through the investment of, of a number of Premier League clubs, but also through the, the success of uh, the Lionesses, the, you know, the England women's mm-hmm. team yeah. in the Euros yeah. was, uh, has definitely accelerated the interest and development and, you know, waited a long time for the men's national team to, <laughs> to have success. And it was great to see the women's and, you know, father of two, New, newly newborn uh, twin daughters and congratulations yeah. wow. <laughs> to see the pathways now that exist perhaps for them to if that was a passion of theirs to follow is is really encouraging and there's some amazing amazing work and I, you know those those, those group of uh, women who, who went on you know had that success of you know role models and inspiration for whole you know generations of, of young girls so it, it's it, it, you know watching with interest to see what that looks like the premier league um a commitment we've made is funding what are called emerging talent centers. So awesome. the, um, yeah. the, the training centers that girls can access to receive elite coaching and progress hopefully into, into some of those cl- club academies. We've made a financial commitment to fund those um, for the next three years and constantly working with the FA to look at, you know, what, what does the Premier League's role look like in, in the women's game going forward? But, you know, commitment to trying to support it in, in the best way we can to make sure that it, it continues to progress. Um, you know, with the stadia, the capacities, the, the fans that we saw in the summer in the England team, you can see that the interest is there in the, in the women's game. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's going to be, it's really exciting what, what's to come in that. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I, yeah, we're, like, Sweat and just thinking about how good the England team is and when they play the U.S. Yes, yes, yeah. Because, you know, the U.S. have been, been a benchmark, haven't they, for so many years. Sure. So I think and that, um, you know, being able to, to compete, compete with the likes of the U.S. Well, and yeah, a number of other yeah. countries is, uh, 
Yeah, really good. And it's all, yeah, good things. Like it only means the game's getting so much better. Yeah, competition fuels growth and all that good stuff. So I do want to touch on, obviously, congrats on the, the twins. Yeah, so, yeah uh, I said no, they're, they're 16 months now. So. Okay, 16 months. That's fun though. They're probably super, to get super cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look yeah. great. You look yeah. fully <laughs> rested. So are you are you looking forward to, you know, being a, a youth sport parent maybe? Are you thinking like, yeah, we're definitely going soccer or are you just kind of going to let them decide what they want? Have we thought about that at all? Uh, yeah, let, let them decide. But if, yeah. if the uh, if the goals in the in the back garden and multiple <laughs> footballs can help them yeah. navigate, if towards I pass football, to them when they great. wake up, yeah. who might have said? Yeah, they're, they're actually already sort of dribbling the ball around the uh, not quite dribbling, but you know they they kick the ball actually already, which is that's fine. You know, fun to see. But um, yeah, we'll see what they choose to pursue and support them when. So awesome. Well, uh, I think obviously you guys have had a lot of success through you can see the players what's kind of let's look forward into the next five ten years kind of what are your hopes aspirations what are the you know the big uh dreams that you guys have what do you think the e-trophy looks like in, in 10 years yeah so we, we've spent the last 12 months or so sort of asking ourselves yeah. that that question and um whilst you know we clearly don't have a crystal ball it's you know it's trying to think about some of the things we don't know and some of the things we do know and what we've learned over the over the 10-year period that the E-Trop has been in been in place. And I think what we what we do know is that society is changing, the expectations and uh, of how you work and develop elite work with and develop elite youth athletes has, has changed. You know, um, we've seen that through Olympic sports and and the importance that has been placed on the well-being of our athletes. And I guess people yeah. seeing beyond the athlete and recognizing that you know they may go out and perform yeah, yeah. at this uber elite level. But they are people the same as you and I, and, and that comes with challenges. So I think the support that we have in place for the for the players as people is going to continue to be a priority area. And I guess in that broader space, player health, how we how we support young players, there's a big discussion in in the UK at the moment. You know, there's been a ban of youth of uh, heading in youth sport in in youth football in uh, in the US and. How do we make sure that we? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a safe sport. For, yeah. for young players to to compete in, so that's something to consider going forward. I think this the the, the idea that um, our academies can be, you know, provide life enriching experiences is something that we're really focusing on at the moment, and and genuinely believing that if we focus on you know the joy, the fun, the the passion for the game, the love for the game that will ultimately make better football players and um, you know it not being for just for those players that don't go and make it actually we think that is going to help us make even more players uh, and support them to be as successful as they can be because it is a it's a person that steps on that football pitch before a player yes i think it's really important that we remember that and that person if their if their mental health is well if their physical health is well then they're going to be in a better position to to perform so um, there's, there's understandably there's a huge focus on, on that at the moment. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Awesome. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like to hang. Sometimes we like to let, let the answers hang yeah. just to like really like let that sink in. So uh, thank you. That very well said and exciting to see what the E-Triple-P will, will become. And, and thank you for being a part of this. I think it's time for our this or that section. I don't know if you've been prepped about this. This is our wrap up. I just I wish I had been prepped. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's better if you're not prepped. It's no, better. it's easy. Don't so, worry. The this or that section, we have uh, nine very rapid fire questions. Uh, and there's no thinking. It's all gut reactions only. And it's either it's one or the other. And that's it. All right. Yeah, I'll get it started. Here we go. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, after a long day, recliner or a couch? Couch. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Cake or pie? Cake. <laughs> nice. Train or plane? Train. Ooh. Like bit of sustainability. There you go. I like that. Is it pronounced GIF or JIF? GIF, I think. <laughs> you, I think this is true. Are you, you are in a team triathlon. I think we read. Are you a triathlete? No. Are you? Or you I'm just support the sport? Yeah, I think yes. a triathlete is going to be part of Yeah, amateur. amateur. <laughs> okay, so pick one. The running, the biking, or the swimming? Uh, the, the cycling. I've got okay. waning knees, so cycling is... Uh, <laughs> That's where I'm at as well, moment, yeah. <laughs> All right. Michael Owen in his prime or Harry Kane? That's so tough. <laughs> Yeah, I have to I go mean, Harry Kane because he's a, he's a current Premier League player. So I'm there you the go. Outstanding. Yeah, completely Out, on yeah. brand. Outstanding. Okay, so uh, let's imagine LeBron James. Instead of basketball, he chose soccer at a very young age. Where are you putting him on the field? Keeper or striker? He's amazing with his hands. He has to yeah. be. He's a goalkeeper. <laughs> we got somebody, somebody others said uh, midfield because they just wanted him everywhere. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, just yeah, I agree. Let him, let him do whatever you yeah. can do. So... So that's it. That was it. You that was it. hard questions. <laughs> Easy peasy. I do want to, before you leave, yeah. super exciting. You guys have obviously been, you know, making huge strides of bringing the Premier League over to the States. Uh, we've got an upcoming fan fest in Orlando, which is going to be super exciting. I know it's already sold out. There's going to be tons of people. We've heard the last one was in Philly, which is where we are right now. And just like anytime that excitement and energy gets brought to a city it, it's always better so i just wanted to allow you if there's anything you wanted to talk about with FanFest, or if you're going to be down there um in orlando i know the team is is going to be there give you the opportunity to to say anything about that and then maybe if you have anything you want to leave the listeners with outside of that before we close i think uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see if i get the invite for the, uh, <laughs> i know i'm like checking session, my email yeah. i don't know where that is but, but. <laughs> i think it, it's, in, it's been incredible um the nbc support for those events and i guess seeing how many fans are in the US that follow Premier League football and how knowledgeable they are about mm-hmm. their team is, is brilliant to see. Yeah, it's been a great <laughs> partnership. Yeah. I guess seeing how much the Premier League and our clubs mean to people, not just that, you know, in the, in the stadiums in the UK, but around the world is, is great. And, you know, being here is amazing because you get to watch games from seven o'clock in the morning to through to about 12 p.m. Yeah. and watch every single game. So I'm, I'm enjoying uh, being able to just sit back and watch every game live uh, while I'm out here. Yeah. I guess I've never thought about like for us, Premier League games are just always a morning thing, but it's like for you guys, it's it's night, prime so time television, I, I yeah. will say there's nothing better. I mean, West Coast pretty early, but I'll wake up 
cup of coffee. Like I just, I love it. It's so a, I'm like, it is a wonderful way to start off Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. It's just a nice it's cup of coffee, better. some bacon and eggs, and then watching Tottenham play. Well, for me, for me <laughs> we didn't actually get to ask, do you, are you a, are you a strong supporter of any particular club? What's your club? Of- no, I, I, I support all of our clubs equally, as you, as you can imagine. Yeah, that's the right answer. Well, Neil, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. We appreciate it. Uh, talk about the E P. All great things. So thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. Okay. What a gem. Neil Saunders, that was, God, that was super fun just to chat with him. He was fantastic to talk to. I, he, he did a great job of, I think, shattering my own perception of player pathways when we talk about yeah. you know we talk about a, a i guess teams that are specifically designed and and programs that are specifically designed to craft professional footballers soccer mm-hmm. players right um, there can be a misconception of like well that's all they do all they do is just yeah. they just focus on football and to an extent that's that is that is right but to go back to what neil had said it's that's not the case. It's really crafting a well-rounded individual. Like, sure, they they focus on football. That's what they're there to do. But it's beyond that. It's helping them because it's it's understanding that a very small percentage are going to actually make it to the pros. So then, crafting a well-rounded curriculum to help these individuals become the best people they can be outside of mm-hmm. the game is such a it's a, such a unique thing that I think was was shattered by myself. I, I there, for the longest time, I think I was just like, well. What are they? What do these kids do after football? I mean, that's all they know. But yeah, hearing from him well, yeah, that you know that's not the case was was actually really great. The idea that we often hang our laurels on team success, and yeah. if a team wins or a team loses, that that's what makes it a success. And oftentimes, we try to find teams for our kids to be on so yeah. they are successful, yeah. rather than giving our kid the right program, coaching, development. Yep all the things outside of soccer that are likely going to be involved for them to develop at the rate they need to develop at and get what they need to get out of it. And so we talked to a few people about it, but it was like, it's just a shift in how we're thinking about Mm -hmm. success and like the idea of, you know, winning culture and and all of those things is like, it's about the player. And at the end of the day, if we do that, I think we're going to start to see more kids wanting to stay involved in sport, more kids uh, not getting burnout, you know, finding joy again in the sport. It was cool to have Neil, Neil kind of humanize himself when he yeah. said he's a dad to, to twi- twin girls, yeah. I believe. <laughs> I know. He kind of looked at us and we're like, oh, so the real work begins oh, now. <laughs> <laughs> you thought being the director of coaching at the Premier League was hard? Add, no. Add on twin girls to that. <laughs> yeah. But also, he also has a state of mind and the, and the, you know, great vision of just, you know, we're going to let them pick whatever they want to be involved with, not mm-hmm. force, you know, football or, or anything to, for them to be a part of. And it, it's really nice to know that it's, it's got that, that focus, right? Yeah. And if you are, you know, obviously we dove deep with, with Neil yeah. on the E triple P, yes, which nice. sounds way better than the E PPP, which is how I <laughs> said it. It was completely not accurate. The E triple P. Uh, I think they have like a great framework. We we dove deep into yeah. that with him and uh, they've got a ton of resources we mm-hmm. can share out that you can go take a look at, obviously specific to soccer, but who knows, might be able to take some nuggets into, into other sports as well, or just mm-hmm. educate yourself. There's usually never anything wrong with learning more. That's true. I have found in life. That's true. You know, and actually it's a good segue. Are you ready to learn more by the way? Because we're about to play our game sports term race oh, yeah. or both. And <laughs> the rules are very simple for me. I'm going to read a name. 
And it's either going okay. to be a sports term, sure. a racehorse, the name of a racehorse, an actual racehorse, okay. or it's both. Okay. This is so Simple hard. Enough. There's racehorses that are like <laughs> Sunday dinner with grandma. And then there's like speed demon. So it's like, I don't know. So we, Cripes. so let's hop into this and every, I'll, I'll pause. Okay, so ready. our listeners can obviously play along too. So let's start off here. You ready to go? I am ready. All right, here we go. Pepper. <laughs> I was expecting more words. Okay, I'm pretty sure, like, I think that's a volleyball term. You locking it so in? So I'm going to go both. You're going to go both. Okay. Yeah. It is just a sports term. You are right, though. Dang it. That is a volleyball term. It is volleyball a, term. Is a okay. popular warm up among volleyball players. Yeah, you pepper back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, nice. That's good, though. That, but I mean, both is, you'll get a half, th- I'll give you a half yeah. point. Give you a half point. It's like there really wasn't a single racehorse named Pepper. I mean, there might have, not from the top not- 250 that I looked at. I, wait, okay, I did way fine. too extensive research on this, by the way. <laughs> We're going to be doing this <laughs> game quite a bit because I have way too many. Okay, so, okay. All right. Uh, okay. But let's do, right. a, let's do a second one here. First captain. Oh, that feels like it has to be a sport term at some point. I don't know about first captain, but captain obviously is. I'm going to go both again. It is a racehorse. God. <laughs> first, I mean, I'm, this... I'm sure like first captain could, yeah. you could get both. Well, it's like first chair in orchestra, yeah, exactly. you know, like the first captain. Yeah. So I guess, I, I guess. I have not seen or heard first captain and, and no. listener, hey, if listeners know of when first captain has been called out in like football or any other like sport, yeah. call it out. Send I guess us, it's usually like note, captain and then like, because yes. in hockey, they have like, what is the assistance? Like they have the A on their thing. Okay. Technically, you got 0.5 on the first one. I'll give you <laughs> another half point of the other, but right now you're one for two. Here we go. Okay. Storm the court. Oh, that's got to be both. That's definitely a basketball. That's a basketball, a basketball term. But Storm the Court is a cool racehorse name. So if it's not, we should use it. It's both. I'm staying both. That's right. It is both. Nice yes, work. Finally. Nice okay. work. Yes, absolutely. I was almost gonna flip, but then I'm, I'm glad I stayed. For okay, our moms out there, for Becca and Jones, Storm the Court is when, and actually, I think both of our moms know this, by the way. But <laughs> it is when uh, a team upsets another team, and all the players. And and students rush the court to celebrate. There let's you go. do let's do one more. You done with one Ooh. more? Yeah, one more. Kookaburra. <laughs> uh, not, I'm pretty sure it's an animal. <laughs> I'm definitely going. It's definitely isn't it? Isn't it an animal? I can't say anything. You keep asking oh. questions. I'm just I'm the host of this. Yeah. <laughs> Stoic behind there. Okay, it's definitely a racehorse. I don't think it's a sports term. I'm going racehorse only. It is a sports term. <laughs> It's not a racehorse. It's not a racehorse. What is this? Is this is a brand of cricket ball used in international matches. That's fair. I would have no idea about that. Well, good round. Good round. Well Woo! done. That's a fun little game. We'll, we'll bring that wildly back. mediocre. We'll bring, <laughs> we'll bring that back. Awesome. Well, that that was super fun, yeah. Simon. Thank you, dear listener. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We had a great time talking with Neil from the Premier League. Awesome guy. Amazing organization. Obviously, because of the top tier talent at the highest level however it's also really cool to get to talk to them about like the grassroots player development youth programming that they have that they're so passionate about and that that's something they're going to be focusing on for the years to come it obviously makes us here very happy and you know youth sports will be a better place because of it well, let's put a nice bow on this one here, Marie. This has been another episode of For the Love of Sport. A big, huge, top-tier thank you to our guest, Neil Saunders, for joining us at the USCC and sitting down with us. 
as always, feel free to send an email out to us at ftlospod at ebcuni. We'd love to hear from you, dear listener, about maybe potential fun racehorse names, mm-hmm. sports terms that we should include in. Maybe send those to Simon only so I don't have to see them. Just say see for Simon's eyes only. But yeah. Send us some emails. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got any questions, topics that you think would be great for the podcast, we are we are always looking for those. And a big thank you for everybody who's reached out so far. The For the Love of Sport is brought to you by Sports Engine, the home of youth sports. Hosts are the outstanding Marie Fitzgerald and myself, Simon McKenzie. Our marketing guru is Kelsey Irwin. Our captain of content marketing is Rob Doe. And the amazing sound engineer is Troy Stone. We will be back with another episode very, very soon. Bye. We will see you then. Bye. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.